You're listening to Creek Times, the only Dawson's Creek podcast. Enjoy. Bridget, Bridget, I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, but can I describe the scene from, from Fast and Furious 7 for you? Matthew, you can describe any scene from Fast and Furious at any point. Okay, it is one of my favorite scenes <laughs> in movie history because, so, so The Rock, has, he's gotten in like an accident, so he's in the hospital, and he has a broken arm. So like he's, you know, he's, oh, no. he's, he's down, he can't help the team. Until, until yeah. the movie, until the movie decides that he needs to help the team, and so, <laughs> so he says, he says, "Daddy's got to go to work," and he flexes <laughs> off his cast, <laughs> and he's no longer injured. <laughs> I I can't wait to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> speaking of daddies needing to go to work, welcome to the podcast. Yes. Oh, yes. Good, good, good segue. Well, guys, I, 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 I guess I can get us started. Okay. Um, I've been really stressed lately, guys. Oh. Oh. I've had a lot of stress. Oh. And, uh, but I was finally able to, to take some time for myself. Mm-hmm. I actually just got back from a leisurely cruise on the Suez Canal. And uh, you, you guys are you guys you guys are never gonna guess what happened. Okay, so I was talking to the um, ship captain, and I accidentally called it the Susie Canal, and oh, boy, my my face was red. I know, and that that must have been the most embarrassing thing to happen on the Suez Canal that week. So. It sounds like it was it. quite a journey. D- didn't you tell me that you said that you made a jo- that you kept making the joke? This is sure a lazy Susan, and he just kept not getting it. Yeah, and then you realized that's why that's why he didn't get it. Uh, it's just it's weird you'd make that mistake because you're surrounded by everybody saying Suey's. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, in the in the. The arc of Bridget discovering who Ernest Borgnine was. It's still it's still a discovery. I'm still learning every day. But go on. <laughs> well, we mentioned that he voiced uh, Mermaid Man on SpongeBob, but what we, yes. I neglected to mention, but mostly Bridget neglected to mention, was that the voice of Barnacle Boy is Tim Conway. <gasps> uh, Bridget, look up Dorf. Yeah. Look up Tim Conway Dorf, and Tim. that's all you'll need to know. Yeah. Whoa. What in the hell? What is yeah, that, going on here? And essentially it's him sitting in a hole and then just like putting a pair of shoes at like knee level. And and he teaches you how to golf um, looking like that. Uh, do you know the, uh, have you guys seen the Shawshank Redemption? Yes. Yes. No, I know you guys have. I was asking our audience. I'll wait. Oh, okay. Um, let's do like a Dora the Explorer. Audience, have you seen the Shawshank Redemption? <sighs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll go on anyway. Oh, um, I, oh, wait. I just want to interrupt. Please. I'm so sorry. Oh. I, I, ha- I do know who Tim Conway is now that I'm not looking at him in dwarf form. Okay. Where do you know him from? Was it the Shawshank Redemption? Was it was it Mikhail's Navy? Because him and Ernest Borgnine were stars on Mikhail's Navy, and in fact, but I, heard I was a- going. Ha- have you guys seen Shawshank Redemption? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> okay, you guys know the the mean evil security guard. Yes. Yes. He, the one who like holds Tim Robbins over the roof and threatens to kill him. Yes. He plays Mr. Krabs. Knew it. What? <laughs> Damn it, he plays Mr. Krabs. Did you know that, Bridget? Michael, I did not know that. It's like you're connecting all these things that really needed to be connected in my life. So thank you. I mean, you're welcome. Yeah. Like you're you're Bridget, you're welcome. Michael, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh... um, okay, so in this episode of Creek Times, we're gonna mostly we, we, kind of, 
we definitely covered everything we need to, we needed to cover in season one. Like, there's not a single stone that went unturned. There was one stone left unturned, and None. Eileen Eileen brought it up and couldn't believe we hadn't talked about it. So shout out to Eileen. Eileen, um, I Eileen. Hey. Yes, I was shouting her out. Uh, people don't understand that in New York, you can just stand at your window and shout somebody's name at kind of staccato-esque levels, and uh, they'll probably respond at some point. <laughs> um, so Eileen <laughs> pointed out that we didn't talk about Dawson's weird kissing episode. Remember when he's like kissing the doll and his dad's proud of him? <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, Eileen, chime in anytime you want to. Eileen! <laughs> Eileen! 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 She'll she'll respond. She'll hear it at some point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the only stone that we left unturned. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe that content is best left for Eileen to explore when she gets she, she 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 can break down in great detail the technique that Dawson uses to kiss that doll. <laughs> we can make it a YouTube video. Um, yeah, if we could just let her do a tutorial, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about Jack and Nanny McPhee specifically in season two. So does anyone? So Matthew, I know you took copious notes. <laughs> I guess I'll note that. So 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 Dawson is telling Pacey that he you know he finally kissed Joey, and he's telling telling him this while they're at the barber shop, presumably while both of them are getting their <laughs> their hair tips freshly frosted. <laughs> um, that's a certainty. That's a plot point. <laughs> okay, that, so Lace, did, did, wait, did that take you back to when you and Michael used to go get your hair done together? Yeah, that, that, it just made me really nostalgic for the frosted tips and just mm-hmm. like those t-shirts with like the flames on them, like that type of look. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. well, that yeah. was yeah, a really good our, look um, for you, Matthew. You looked great <laughs> in, in that. Stuff. Yeah. What was the Matthew in the uh, in the Wikipedia in like the fan wiki article? What was that thing that measured their friendship level? Oh, there was that oh, scale. It was intensity. And, there, and that was our intensity. Our intensity was frosted tips. <laughs> ah, damn it. Where, where do, where do so, we start? So, Go ahead. Okay, I'll start. So, so Pacey is leaving the barbershop after this. And, if, and of course, he's driving his brother's cop car, which is a felony. And, 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 and the worlds literally collide as the character of Andy comes barreling in, ramming full speed into the side of the cop car. Luckily, they're um, both... That's exaggerated. She like barely pulls out. <laughs> <and hits. laughs> Sorry, I was I was just thinking of Fast and the Furious again. No. <laughs> oh man, that hot, you know you slip into Fast and the Furious speech all the time. Andy's got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so basically, Pacey, you know, kind of scares her. She thinks, "Oh my gosh, I've hit this! I've hit this cop! Like I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my license! I'm gonna go to jail!" and and Pacey just uses this as like an excuse to like, oh, I'm gonna, I'll act like a cop, and just so I can get, I can get her digits, I can get her name. And uh, later on, you know, Andy figures that out, and she's obviously not very happy about it. <laughs> Matt, and, Matthew, can can I interrupt you? Oh. He doesn't do that to, no. to get. Well, he does that, but not for the reason of getting her yeah. digits. He just he, does it to screw with. Yeah, them. <laughs> he's it, it's it's just sadistic. He just wants to see her squirm because he's not romantically interested in her for a while that's right he's interested in, in the other blonde girl this episode because andy 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 kind of sets him up for failure there but uh, uh, bridget what is your perspective on that scene of pacey using his his power to i, I mean it's it's <laughs> great <disturbed>. power <laughs> <laughs> um it's just it's kind of disturbing because i think when you're young and you watch something like that, you're just like, oh, a hijinks. But when you look at it from an adult perspective, like if, if a grown person ever did that to me, where they pretended to be a cop, because I would have so much anxiety hitting a cop car that if somebody got out and started to do that and just mess with me, I think I'd see red because it's just like so sadistic to put somebody through that level of anxiety. And like when we later learn how fragile Andy's mental state is. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yes. <laughs> like imagine the anxiety of that character thinking she really messed up. Oh, Bridget, I'm so right. I'm, Bridget, I'm so glad you brought that up because because the next day at school and Andy runs into Pacey and she's like, you did not know how much anxiety this gave me to the point. Here's the quotation to the point of requiring medication and envisioning being in prison with, and I quote, 
a sex slave to some sadist named Bomber Bertha. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 Michael, I, Michael, I, <laughs> Michael, I, I, I know you researched Kevin Williamson a few episodes back. Would you mind telling us the history behind the character of Bomber Bertha? <laughs> so Bomber Bertha was actually a was actually a holdover from a previous show that he'd been a part of pre-Scream. It was oh. this this was the thing that he thought was going to bring him, you know, the glitz and the glam of Hollywood. Um, it was kind of like if people know the lore of David Lynch, he had a character named Ronnie Rocket that he really wanted to make a movie about. <laughs> this is his kind of Ronnie Rocket. It was going to be it's the kind of thing you you write when you're young. Bomber Bertha was she was going to kill Hitler. She was going to kill, <laughs> um, you know, Hitler's dog. She was going to kill everybody. Wow. And it was, you know, it, it was it was one of those, you know, beautiful, you know, youthful dreams that just really shouldn't be. But this was his homage to that. So I'm really glad you asked. That's that's a really fun thing to know, actually. Absolutely. Another thing I found out, Bridget, is that Bomber Bertha, we talked about him, like, developing f- uh, eight millimeter films in his grandma's bathtub. <laughs> Actually, Bomber Bertha was his grandmother. Oh, like, but it it was kind of a tall tale spun out. She, you know, she riveted was kind of a Rosie the Riveter person during World War Two, you know, and um, and she did actually go to prison and become a. Uh, she became uh, I don't know what the polite term for it is, but a, a prison pimp basically. <laughs> and oh that's that's what the character is based on. Yeah. Wow. That's right. There's so it's... much in that little quote. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. I would never want to be mm-hmm. a, I would never want to be a sex slave to that sadist. That's, no. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason, and so actually the reason I know that is because I got the commentary, like the DVDs. So each episode has a commentary. And he had so Kevin Williamson had so much to say. Did about you really Bomber get Bertha. the DVDs? Yeah, I did. I got it from the library. And oh, um, okay, okay. Kevin Williamson had so much to say about Bomber Bertha and the lore of it that they actually had to do. <laughs> they actually had to show the episode twice so that he could actually talk about the things that happened in the show. Because they're they're trying to like Mike Mike White, the writer. He's trying to like change the subject and. Um, <laughs> And say, like, you know, can we talk about, like, hey, we can we talk about what's happening here? He's like, no. <laughs> like, but I just, we're going to talk about that in a second. You know, Dawson's Creek's been around for a long time. But, you know, I just wanted to get into this Bomber Bertha thing. And Bomber Bertha never saw the light of day, so I don't blame him. I know, I know. And um, he just wouldn't stop talking about it. And it, like, people, no one, eventually everyone gave up and I think probably walked out of the room. <laughs> And they just wouldn't stop him because he would go into the lore of Bomber Bertha. Like, for instance, when she was growing up as a child, um, she. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so to she's our not... audience out there. If you ever need a paper like written like the night before it's due, <laughs> con- <laughs> contact Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Because I just know a lot about Kevin Williamson's grandma. Wow. Thus ends the Andy and Jack episode of <laughs> <Yeah>. Creek Times. <laughs> I think that summarized Should we get it the fan well. mail? <laughs> yeah. Did we get another email? <laughs> oh, and anyway, and anyway, they find out that Andy's crazy. Um, well, her mom's crazy. Her mom's well, crazy. No, well, but let's, let, let's really talk I would about say, I would something say else. Andy struggles with her mental health but she's still very much present and once you get to the later seasons you realize like she's a she's a grounded and fully capable person so she struggles with her mental illness but yeah her mom is definitely off the deep end she's she's not coming back did yes did, we're introduced to go ahead matthew no, oh no i i was gonna say did anybody do any research on on the actual special guest meredith monroe no michael did you do any research on it uh, yes, I did. She is... Ma- <laughs> yes, I did. There's actually, I, I just... There's actually... And this is a real fact. Bridget, I hate to break it to you, but all that Bomber Bertha stuff was not true. Um, what? <laughs> Are you being serious? Give, give, you a, give you a minute. Michael. 
<laughs> Damn it. What? Did I actually hurt your feelings? No, you didn't hurt my feelings. I was just like, that's really fun lore. You know, like... I, 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 I can't tell if she's being serious or not. I can't either. <laughs> Bridget, you okay, hon? <laughs> you okay? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Bridget just switched on her camera and she's crying. Frankly. I'm sorry. If my if my camera had been on, you might have been able to tell that I was kidding. <laughs> we we can hide so much in the shadows. Um. I know. Okay, but Mer- but I did do some real research, and we all know that this is true. Um, this is something that the fans really need to know about Meredith Monroe. Yeah. <laughs> so the character Andy McPhee has a brother named Jack, who is played by Care Smith. And one interesting thing about Meredith Monroe is that right now she's married to a man who looks exactly like <laughs> Care Smith. <laughs> he is not Care Smith. He is Stephen Cavovit. <laughs> fans, I would urge you to look this up. Oh, it's I, 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 to the eyebrow, yeah, it, to the nose, it, to the ear, it, to the hair. It it's just, insane. It doesn't make sense that they look so much alike and they are not the same person. Yes, it, they they truly are not. But it's it's almost as if Meredith Monroe told Stephen Cavovit to get like plastic surgery so that he could look exactly <laughs> wear wear his skin. <laughs> Dude, that's the most interesting thing about that about her that I found. Oh, I, I, out. What did you find out, Matt? I found out apparently growing up she was on the cover of uh, she was on several covers actually of uh, both Nancy Drew and Hardy Boy books. Oh wow, she does look like she'd be straight out of Nancy Drew. That's actually very that's fascinating. I was huh. desperately cool. trying to find the covers and I was having a real hard time with it. But yes, and and she apparently was also in a Tylenol commercial in 1996. <gasps> Meredith, you dog. So apparently she 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 was supposed to reappear in the in the series finale, but I guess due to time or budget constraints, they decided that these would not make the final cut. Um, although they did make it into the book, the director's extended cut, and also interestingly enough, in Zack Snyder's Justice League cut, which I thought was pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you never know when you're going to get a crossover. It's crazy, right? <laughs> um. I did read that too, Matthew. I read that back when I was reading up on Katie Holmes. And um, that, yeah, they basically just nix her. Because she does exit the show for a while. And she, she'll pop up here and there again. But um, And I'd like, to, I'd like to put my flag down here. I really like Andy's character. I, I, I love her character. Yeah, she's great. She's very fleshed out. So, so since, mm-hmm. you, since you mentioned that... Um, I think one of the reasons why, I guess, like, as the show went on, and I guess, like, we're kind of middle of season three right now, and I guess as the show went on, like, fans started to just hate her more and more. In season two... Oh, yeah. And I kind of get it, because, well, without going into season three spoilers, I kind of get it, because she did the whole cheating on the test and then blaming everybody else type thing, but I've never met Kevin Williamson, believe it or not, but but just... Whoa, you haven't? (laughs) I know, I... I just ripped the band-aid off. I've never met him, but from everything I've heard, like from interviews, like he seems like a pretty decent guy because he he just like he wanted to be loyal to her and like he really wanted her in the finale and he was like really upset that fans like just started to just hate her and he didn't think that like she deserved that. So I don't know. I always think it's kind of nice when a when a director or producer like just I don't know has loyalty to sticks his neck out for his past. cast. Yeah, yeah. That is really nice. I can't imagine what, what people would be, at this point, I can't imagine what people would be so mad at her about. Although, in the last episode she watched, she was kind of an afterthought. So, maybe she just starts getting um, I, I, stale. I think I know what it is. Uh, why don't you save that? What do you th- what do you think <laughs> for right for, 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 for right now? <laughs> I don't know what's reality and what isn't with you now, Michael. So. I know. <laughs> that's a, that's a thing about that's a true thing about me. I'm one of the best liars who ever lived. So. <laughs> well, and, 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 and and just just the contrast between you learning about Ernest Borgnine and like <laughs> start telling you about Bomber Bessie or whatever. Yeah, we, yeah. Sorry, Ernest. Bo- we we forgot to tell you, Bridget. Ernest Borgnine isn't real either. Stop! 
<laughs> we just we just uploaded all of his history and shot several movies. Did you with just him shoot an old man in that hat? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then we took his picture. Wow. <laughs> that was that was that, that 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 was actually Bomber Bertha and drag. <laughs> stop it! Stop it, both of you. <laughs> this is cruel. This is this is very cruel. I'm sorry. Um, th- You're this, not this, sorry. That, that was worse than. You're not sorry. You got <laughs> This is worse than when Pacey pretended to be a police officer to Nanny McPhee. This is the level of statism I've been talking about. <laughs> Would you, if you saw someone, not to just stick on the first episode, but like, if you saw someone. Uh, Pacey's age not wearing a police officer outfit but he was in a cop car would you believe that he was a cop um I don't know because I I haven't ever run into somebody who's not a cop when they've said they're a cop so I my like it's just so routine for me to believe that the person getting out of the car is the cop to the, run into cops I, and then to I, run into I, cop cars. That's I am routine for you. Constantly <laughs> running into cop cars. And I'm glad you brought this up, Michael, because it's really I don't know. I'd say it's become a hobby at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're actually undercover cops, Bridget, and this whole show is to like set up who's who's been running into our vehicles and uh <laughs> We, 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 we got him, boys. Bring in the choppers. <laughs> Daddy's got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, to, to answer your question, uh, no, I would not believe it. Because to be a plainclothes officer, you have to have been a police officer for, like, several years already. Like, you can't just, like, join the force and immediately become, like, a plainclothes detective. Oh, well, so. we're not all as knowledgeable as Matthew. Oh, okay, Matthew, when did you become a cop? <laughs> Me and the boys on the force were talking the other day and uh, <laughs> over a frosted tip donut. <laughs> um, I had a real point about Andy. A real point. Let's hear it. About why fans may have grown to not like her. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Go ahead. That, and this could be wrong, but I think fans get so invested in the Joey and Pacey storyline that anything that could have even threatened or detracted from that, they were probably annoyed by because Pacey and Joey's actually mm. becomes really, really good writing. So so it's so it's not so much what the character does in the show, it's the fans reacting to the people that they're like shipping. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just more like get anybody out of the way who isn't um, you know, adding to the 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 main thrust of the show which does become joey and pacey and then dawson off to the side you know what's interesting i um i think that actually does relate to the beginning of season two because um we i know i know we kind of disagree about whether the seeds of pacey and joey's relationship starts in season one i think it does um and there actually is a scene in season one where pacey asks dawson if he can date joey so, but it doesn't really go anywhere. What's interesting is oh, that... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I remember what you're referencing. Yeah, it just kind of dies in the water right there. It dies. But So what's interesting about that is that in season two, Jack and, and Nanny McPhee serve to... <laughs> I can't... Okay. Jack and Nanny <laughs> McPhee serve to kind of split Pacey and Joey apart because Pacey becomes interested in Nanny McPhee and Joey becomes interested in Jack, at least for the first half of that season. Yes. So it's kind of interesting. They kind of serve to delay that uh, relationship flowering and blossoming. Interesting. Don't you think? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Uh, can I say one more thing about Andy? <laughs> 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 I also feel like um, the age group that Dawson's Creek was directed at when it first came out... Mm-hmm. Um, and this could be wrong. Um, I think that, especially because, like, the conversations about mental health were not very present during this time. I just don't mm-hmm. think, like, the conversations were full of nuance addressing mental especially taking seriously that, like, kids can have mental health issues. Um, I, I 
would bet money that there were some people that watched Andy's storyline, like some of the teenagers watching it, were just like, oh my God, shut up, and thought she was being dramatic <laughs> and annoying. And because oh. we, we could appreciate it as adults, um, you know, and, and look at that and like notice uh, Pacey's maturity in addressing her situation. And we can also recognize like, oh my gosh, that poor girl is going through a problem because we have a little bit of life experience under our belt so we can appreciate like that that would be an agonizing situation and all those things but like when you're a young dumb teenager and you're watching a show you're like i want to i want to watch romance not this <laughs> or, 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 or if you're a lonely italian man <laughs> yeah and and don't get me started on how lonely italian men would watch this content <laughs> It's just... What the heck is this Andy girl doing here? <laughs> is this Get the off voice the of screen. an Italian man? I'm a I don't want to see this. <laughs> <laughs> you I'd get that out of here. I'd rather spaghetti at Olive Garden than a watch of this. Hey. <laughs> Gabagool. <laughs> oh, whoa. Well, okay, that's taking tell, it a step too t- far. Yeah, tell, us how you, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big Sopranos that's, uh, fan. That's an interesting perspective. Let's. I mean, I'm trying to think of examples where I rewatched a show and appreciated new things about it that I had hated before, but I haven't seen Dragon Ball Z in a long time. So yeah, that, that, I don't know. Um, that, that's the first. That's the that's the first show I can think of that really addresses mental health is Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> That's how that's how I learned to start the conversation. Was Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> I mean, I think it I think it deals with anger management. You know, they they spend at least two episodes per power up just going ah. <laughs> I think they needed to get some aggression out. Frankly, I don't. I don't know. But you know what? That's for our Dragon Ball Z podcast. So that's right, which we're recording after this one. Yes. Um, yes. Dragon cast. Um, so, yeah, I guess like move on to jo- Joey and Jack. Okay. okay. I think I think we yeah let's 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 get into Jack. So he does not appear until the second episode of season two, um, and the way that his character initially is written is he is applying to work at the Ice House, which of course is where Joey works. Uh, he's and already working there, I thought. No, he no, he shows up. No, and, no he shows up, and he's asking for a job. Oh, okay. and, and and Joey's very well. So so the other part of the episode is is Joey is very upset because I think Dawson like read her, read her secret diary and read and and, 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 and read that that uh, she thinks that he's a total hack as a filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> because Joey's J- Joey's own artistic ambitions are, are are burgeoning she she's an artist she she starts drawing matthew i mean it's it's intense the artistry <laughs> yeah she just has she exhibits. She, just everything up to this point she's just always into art so i mean she just always talks always about art been. always has been <laughs> always has been always will be so anyway so <laughs> so so she's really upset at work at dawson and, and and jack shows up he's like oh new in town can i have a job and she's like yeah whatever just shut up and get out of my face and uh, <laughs> her her typical Joey response. The way his character is, is written is just like he's a he's a bumbling buffoon, so he can't do anything right at work. He's oh because he's a rich must... boy who can't because he's a rich boy who doesn't have you know he's got city hands, Mister Hooper. He's been counting money your whole life. That <laughs> that's that's what Joey says to says to Jack. <laughs> If yeah, looks at his city hands, Mr. McPhee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so so essentially, the first few episodes of season two, his his role is kind of emotional support, a shoulder to lean on for Joey to like vent about Dawson at work. Yeah, he's not very interesting at first. No, he's very, he just kind of like listens. He's, you know, listens and takes everything in. Um, but there's a good payoff later on in the season where we, where we learn that he also likes art. And this is something that him and Joey really just start to bond over. And this really <laughs> plays a big part in an episode later in the season, which, I don't know, 
<laughs> yeah, see, Joey Joey has just found art. We need to also add that context in. Joey, up to this point, has not been interested in art. Nope. But suddenly, now she's into art, even though she knows almost nothing about it. And I'm not saying you can't develop a new interest. That's not what I'm getting at. But she acts as if this has been a part of her being. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty certain she gets into art just because of that class that um that like classroom episode where they have to explore different careers and whatever and mm-hmm. talk to a professional woman and she <laughs> talks to a professional woman who owns an art gallery. <laughs> um I'm getting this completely wrong but I don't care. Um, no, no, I think and it's And then suddenly it's, it's right. just like yeah, and suddenly I'm an artist now and Jack understands. Jack also likes art. Ooh. Yeah, cuz Joey is going through an identity crisis so her and Dawson are finally together. And all of a sudden, she's like, I don't know who I am outside of you, Dawson. And it's like, that's a fair criticism to level out your relationship. But I don't know, maybe you could explain that a little bit more to him instead of just exploding on him. Like, why don't you understand my art endeavors? It's like, because he, oh, he calls it a hobby because it technically is. She's been doing it for like (laughs) three days. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's it's a hobby. Just because you carry a drawing pad under your arm doesn't make you just like, (laughs) like for a whole week, it doesn't make you an artist suddenly. And her sketches are, um, her sketches, much like her singing, which we didn't express, (laughs) we didn't explore for season one um subpar I would say. Um, and and she gets really mad because dawson just doesn't understand she's like i'm always helping you with your movie stuff and it's like joey you signed up to help him with that you wanted to be a part of it and you were helping yeah. him and he has had this passion for a really long time like we know he's mm-hmm. been doing this for years the dialogue tells us so and you you've just come out you've just come out as this artist within a week. So he of course is still processing how seriously you're taking this. And I'd like to point out later on, we never see this art interest again. Yeah. It disappears. <laughs> yeah. So Dawson was right. It was a hobby. Shut yeah. up, Joey. <laughs> it causes the split and then, and then disappears. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's like a virus or something. <laughs> It's, it's, a, it's a foreign agent. It's a, it's a, it's a, but um, Matthew, was there anything else about you, that you wanted to mention about Dawson's dad's uh, abs? Um, okay, there's a there's a scene where there there actually is. There's a scene where he's uh, he's fixing a car and his biceps just look massive. I mean, the, the, pro- the, probably because they are massive. Yeah, I mean, and and I guess. And Dawson is wearing a sweater vest in like every episode this season. It, it is a it is a frumpy season. Let's just point that out for all <laughs> characters involved. It is a frumpy wardrobe season. Yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, I, I, just, I just want to talk about the episode Full Moon Rising, specifically the um, Andy and Jack part with the ghost. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up because I had it written down too. <laughs> all right, take um, take it away. He so there's lots of things happening in this, in this episode, um, but the real interesting thing that has nothing to do with any, with really anything is that Joey and Jack are dealing with a ghost and they don't know it. Yes. They're at the ice house and no one no one's come around. It's the it's the SpongeBob thing of like we forgot to change the clothes sign to open. <laughs> um, but the SpongeBob only person there again. is a is an old man who keeps looking at into the lens. Which made me think that it was someone's grandpa, but um, <laughs> like, is this is this really an actor? Um, actually, I found out that he he is like a very prominent character actor named J C Quinn. I don't believe and you. And J C Quinn played. Uh, he was in James Cameron's The Abyss, and the character that he played in James Cameron's The Abyss was Sonny Dawson. <gasps> <gasps> So the creek wow. just got deeper. And the abyss is a water movie. It's there's water in it. it, it there's it, water in that movie. Okay, did, I think did, we should end the episode there, frankly. Because... <laughs> <laughs> did you did you ever learn how the abyss was made? Uh I heard it was a complete nightmare. It yeah. was an absolute disaster. I think I think um there were like t-shirts made that said uh but t-shirts made by the crew that said life's abyss and then you die (laughs) 
and James Cameron doesn't make anything better for anybody. Um, oh, okay, but the stupid thing is that for whatever reason, oh yeah, I forgot. The ghost um, helps them like fix the electricity, and then suddenly he disappears, and there's like a poem on the uh, on the napkin. There's like a poem written on a napkin that says, "True love never dies." And the full and the full moon will rise, and there's a full moon behind them. And then suddenly, Joey and Jack are like, they're making out, and that's where that's where the romance begins between them, which is instantly squandered because then Jack becomes gay. <laughs> By the way, okay, let's let's clarify that wording. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, go, go get, get. I think we should get into because that's. That's a thing where it's like, did they know while they were writing the season? That I he... don't think they well, knew if they were going to be bold enough to make his character gay. Um, mm-hmm. I, re- I read a little bit about it. And um, yeah. so I like Dawson's Creek was pushing the envelope a lot, especially for the fact that like the content usually surrounded teenagers doing or experiencing more adult like things. So mm-hmm. um, it was it was ruffling feathers and okay. um, yes, Matthew. Did did you guys okay in your research on this? Did you guys both read also that apparently uh, Jack had like the first on-screen gay kiss in American TV history? Yeah, I was just about to get to okay. that. Yeah, yeah, so that so that is actually true. Okay, I think they were really trepidatious about exploring that with a teenager and. Um, because the writing does take a turn. He very much seems like he's written like he's a straight um, male who's coming in to be a love interest to shake up the Dawson-Joey dynamic. And then um, I'd be interested to look further into like what conversations happened or when they developed the boldness to um, write him as a gay character. So when Michael says becomes gay, I mean, that's... That's pretty much what the writing is on the show because he he shows up as a a love interest for Joey and then all of a sudden we get this um it feels like a we took a sharp turn and the well, the, the writing was a little bit uh confusing. It's, it's a confusing th- well they kind of because the, uh, the the first on-screen gay kiss that we're referencing happens in season 3. We actually haven't seen that yet. Me and Matthew haven't. Mm-hmm. But um but because they leave the season two in a very is he isn't he and he doesn't even know if he is or not yes like the re the way this comes out is when he reads a um is when he reads a poem in class that some people could interpret as being about him being gay or some people could interpret who don't some people who know him uh more would interpret that as the poem being about his dead brother, which is a big part of the Jack and Andy McPhee uh, lore, is that their <laughs> brother died um, uh, at a young age. And so, and their mom can't deal with it, and their dad can't deal with it either, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't deal with it by, like, living in a different city <laughs> and just, like, working from somewhere else. So it's a very, like, is there a misunderstanding here? And it's, I can understand for the time that it was like very, we don't even want, we can't even let the character know if he's gay or not. Yeah, yes. For yeah. the sake of, of uh, TV. And uh, we mentioned in the second episode that Kevin Williamson is gay himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. And it's an interesting, it's definitely an interesting arc uh, for Jack. Yeah, you don't see it coming until he writes that poem. And then what's the quote in the episode? Um, like, he, he he tries to defend it to Joey. Because Joey, okay, classic Joey fashion, makes it all about herself. Yeah. So he's being ridiculed and bullied for possibly being gay after this poem gets out. And he, his life is not going well at school. So he's actually receiving the criticism she claims that she receives for her life. But mm-hmm. we're actually seeing, so we know these kids do bully and do disapprove of the conduct of each other, like the classmates. And he is receiving that kind of negative attention she claims exists at the school, but we never see her receive. And mm-hmm. so she gets upset and tries to make it so that he absolutely isn't gay. She's like, no, I wouldn't possibly be dating a gay person 
this is all about me and how it affects me and I'm upset that you would be gay. And so he feels the need to then cover himself up further and relieve her anxiety about his own sexual orientation. So he looks at her and defends this poem and says, the poem wasn't gay. I think you guys are being way too harsh on Joey. She is a tortured artist, okay? She's been a tortured <laughs> artist for many years. And and she's still she's still a virgin. She, yeah. She's virginal artistic. <laughs> and and they and they bonded in a very intimate way over art in a crucial episode that comes before this gay revelation. Yes. And, and Matthew, wh- Matthew, why don't you describe this amazing uh, scene where Joey needs to draw Jack? Well, so 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 this was this was around the time of, of, of Titanic. <laughs> and we, we all, That's important to know. We all, we all, and, and of course, the scene from Titanic is the card game scene. Uh, so they're playing cards. And, no, no. So uh, Joey's obviously taking an art class, and she has to. She has to. Was was the assignment that? She, no. Okay, they were in class, and her and her classmates were drawing somebody naked, and then. Dawson like bumps into Joey and like ruins her pic. No, no, Jack bumps. Yeah, he spills <laughs> coffee on it. Yeah, or something. yeah, Jack spills coffee on this picture. So Joey's like, "Oh my gosh, the assignment's due tomorrow, and na- now I don't have the picture anymore. Who am I gonna draw?" And, and Jack feels very, uh, or he feels very bad about you know messing up the painting. He's like, I'll, "I'll, you can paint me like one of your French girls." And so, <laughs> and and that's essentially. I mean, they do, but he's kind of wearing a towel. But then it drops, and you know, <gasps> the less we say it, the less we talk about it's it, the, the better. It's the standard <laughs> thing. It's the standard like, ooh, ooh, yeah. yeah. And um, but but, do you not remember Matthew the real like moment from this show, from this episode? Uh, so yeah, as we as we established, Jack is really into art. And in this, in, it, in this moment, during the drawing of his, <laughs> while Katie Holmes is drawing him, we find out just how much he likes art. Yes. I don't know how to describe this without being a... Uh, he's very excited. <clears throat> he's very he's, excited. He's, des- he's describing Botticelli and other art. <laughs> I only know Botticelli. And uh, Bridget, who are some more artists? Who are some more artists? Uh, 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 Donatello, Leonardo. D- Donatello. Um, Jim, Dave, Jim, Jim, Jim Davis. Splinter. Sp- uh, Master Splinter. Um, okay, okay. All, all the artists. <laughs> Raphael. And, and as the... and Guys, guys, slow, slow down. I'm getting a little excited myself. Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, are you coming out of your shell? <laughs> I'm turning All off the right. webcam. <laughs> um, let's, okay, I really want to put this as delicately as possible. Oh, Jack. stop dancing around it. He, <laughs> just say it, Bridget, then. He gets an erection for art. <laughs> uh, he does more than that, I think. I think the implication is that, uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't tell if that's actually what happened because joey is so sensitive about him being naked anyways that i cannot tell if he finalizes his virtue or not that's a that's a way to put it (laughs) (laughs) for for finalizes his virtue (laughs) so wow (laughs) (laughs) i think we all understand what what happened here it was the Forrest Gump Jenny situation, okay? <laughs> he he expresses his love for art in the the most pure expression there is that God gave a person to express their appreciation for art. So Michael Michael, are you saying he became, are you saying he became a shrimp boat captain? What were you meaning? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how to yep. say it. <laughs> yeah, it, well now that you say it, it's just gosh, um, I don't know. Uh, go, oh my god! Sorry. <laughs> wow, this, this apparently has Michael all hot and bothered. Wow. <laughs> well, I just I, I just visited the Met because we live in New York, and um, oh yeah, I go to the Met like every day. But go on. Yeah. Yeah, and I just it, it just brought me back to um, like a, an, an embarrassing moment when, well, a security guard caught me and put me in detention and. Uh, 
then, and then there was a breakfast club scenario but we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about something else now here's here's another true fact about care smith um because if, if you thought that the first gay kiss on american television was a big deal he was the last actor to appear on punked yes i'm so what? glad i'm so glad did michael did you watch the scene i did okay bridget bridget this bridget this is okay bridget this is so funny okay so yeah, ahead, like michael said <laughs> okay so in this epic prank okay him and him and his girlfriend they go to a store that go shopping for a water bed and, oh my gosh. And, and, and Brid- Bridget, Bridget, okay, he sits down on the bed and, and it starts <laughs> leaking. <gasps> and then. <laughs> it, it, Was he talking about art? <laughs> <laughs> Is that why. Oh no, the waterbed was leaking. Okay, okay, okay. I get it. I get it now. I understand. <laughs> they both could have. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 the, the the bed keeps on leaking and and the store owner is like you you broke the bed and he's like no 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 I just sat on it bro it, it I didn't do anything bro and uh, then then in the background a man slips on some water and falls down and shatters his back and, and what guys I know it sounds I know it sounds hilarious but it's it's visually even oh, funnier yeah. than that and and then the crew accuses him of bouncing on the bed but but guys let me tell you I. I watched the scene over and over. I, I, I had a squinting <laughs> frame by frame. <laughs> I slowed it down to the 0.25 speed, and I watched it. And guys, I could not be more fixated. And I promise you, every fiber of my being, that Jack Kerr and his girlfriend were not bouncing on that waterbed. But, but again, I just can't. I, I just want to make it clear: he did not make the bed leak. Okay, that was the prank. He would not do that. And and that's all I have to say about that. Okay, I believe. But- I believe Jack was quoted, not Jack, but Care Smith really w- was quoted. And this, this has stuck with me for, for a long time since seeing that episode. After the prank is revealed, he looks at the camera and he says, that was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> and thus ends the era of punked. Wow. A, a perfect note to end on. Didn't they actually bring punked back for like a season or two also? I think and, and so. Th- and thus was the end of punked. <laughs> I think, um, Wait, I just what you really, say, a really important oh, wait, what's, Okay. Just about something Matthew said. He was, he is so taken by the character Jack and the actor Care Smith that he called him in his retelling of this episode, Jack Kerr. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt him point that out because he was getting so involved in uh, explaining that punked episode. Karen McPhee. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. That's all I got. But. Thank, thank you. So, <laughs> so, so we finished with. Um, I, I think that's pretty much the arc of Stephen Cavavit. Um, okay, but, oh, I mean, okay, but I, just, I mean I, Jack McPhee. Okay, but he did not make the bed leak. Okay, I just want to. I just want to get it out there again. Look, because... Matthew, we understand. Like you, you think you you are convinced. You think that, and that's all that matters. It's, it's all that matters is I, what you believe about look, it. Look, I cannot be the only one who sat on my couch watching that scene 50 times in a row and, and thought the same <laughs> thing. That like, I mean, I, I was on that. I was on the couch with you, and the the couch started leaking. I didn't know it was a water couch, but <laughs> were you thinking? Like, were you thinking about art? <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I think I was. I don't think I have to think about. It. I was watching it. I was watching Punked. Like, <laughs> what more can you say? Okay, now I, I wanted to do a little poetry corner for you guys. Okay, I have the poem that was left by the ghost in um, in Dawson's Creek's Full Moon Rising. Here we go. <clears throat> by moonlight many years ago, my true love did I know. <laughs> And by that moon I begged her wait, but that night she did go. So, young lovers, heed my words, don't squander love away. The moon is changing ever still. Soon comes the light of day. Unless, of course, you're gay. You're kind of confusing me on on that, Jack. I wonder how that ghost feels about about like 
putting them on that romantic path and then realizing, oh, wait, he was gay the whole time? Sorry, kid. <laughs> that, that ghost is not in favor of gay marriage. <laughs> um, in the words of Jack Kerr, no, no, no matter what anyone thinks about that poem... It wasn't gay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's 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 end this episode by talking about Pacey and Nanny McPhee, because I think that's the most interesting aspect of season two, personally. Um, Bridget, what's your opinion? What do you feel about what what are the feelings that 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 that? (laughs) <laughs> I feel I feel about their relationship the same way Jack feels about art. <laughs> Very good. C- can you describe that relationship so that maybe we can all can... <laughs> just so you, be careful? So you all can be as stimulated by their relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um, be careful while describing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just just mute yourself if you need to. Yeah, view, okay, view, okay. viewers at home, please just just warning, just caution moving forward. Okay. <laughs> we we talked about how they they so um, Pacey is not interested when he meets Nanny McPhee. Uh, did we ever clarify to the audience why we call her Nanny McPhee for this episode? <laughs> Uh, Emma Thompson made a movie called Nanny McPhee where she played Nanny McPhee and we can't say Andy McPhee without saying Nanny McPhee. (laughs) So there you go, you guys. We're not getting it wrong. We're getting it very, very right. (laughs) Uh, So they they then bring these two personalities together uh, for a romance and it actually ends up being kind of sweet when they finally get together. I think this is where... um, we really get into the flow of Pacey and he becomes a very strong character because his relationship with Andy causes him to have to grow. And it's realistic growth. Pacey has to learn how to step up and not only be supportive, but he is, I mean, he, he kind of becomes a caretaker for her in a way. Like he has to soothe her throughout episodes that she's dealing with. That's what I love about that relationship. I think it could have been a movie like unto itself and Mm -hmm. maybe even would have been stronger without the trappings of, you know, whatever the hell Gail and Mitch are going through. (laughs) You know, I I, I thought it was pretty wholesome myself. Do you guys remember what movie they they bonded over in the hallway? Uh, Dumbo, wasn't it? It was Dumbo, yeah, yeah. Got him. (laughs) I, I don't know if that means that they love seeing elephants in cages or if they just, you know... (laughs) <laughs> like watching mothers die but you know yeah it was a sweet moment <laughs> really sweet <laughs> um it's good it's tight writing because what he's learning from andy you see him giving out to other characters and like that's of course what true growth is in real life is you start to change who you are to everybody else as well like you become a fundamentally different person and mm-hmm. When we get Pacey in season one, who doesn't really care about anything, and he's involved in that weird teacher affair. Yeah. And then we see him realistically become a loving and steady boyfriend to a girl who really needed a support system because her dad is basically MIA. Her mother is unable to connect with others due to her mental decline. And then Jack, Jack is a good brother, but like there are just some things he can't be there for her. he he he's mm-hmm. kind of the, the way that they that they write him is that he doesn't really like to address problems it's like if there's a problem he just kind of tends to not talk about it mm. yeah you the, i think that's the mentality of the family which is also consistent because remember when jack's being accused of being gay and andy tells him like why would you have written that poem? Like, we don't need to bring more attention to our family. So, yeah, between the two, they don't realize the bad communication skills they've picked up because of their parents and their home mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's essentially, I guess, what, what their dad did. He doesn't want to address any of the issues in the family, and he just went to go play golf somewhere or something. <laughs> <laughs> For a long time. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you know, it's it's sweet, yeah. Both both Pacey and uh, Andy, they they both really really kind of need each other because what what Andy does for Pacey is kind of inspires him to actually start trying in school. 
Um, yeah, pa- yeah. Mm-hmm. Pa- mm-hmm. Pacey talks about you know he's the he's the he's the black sheep in the family, and he could he could bring home the Nobel Prize and it still would not change anything uh, in his life the way that like his father views him, um, and just the way that everybody in his life kind of views him. So he finally has this person who like actually legitimately believes in him. And mm-hmm. he starts actually getting A's in school and like, oh, maybe, maybe college isn't out of the realm of possibility. So it's a, it's a great mutual relationship, beneficial yeah. for each party. Yeah, Andy, Andy pushes him to realize his potential, which is so sweet because she's never condescending and she never expects him to perform subpar. So she can see how smart he is and that he needs a better life. So... It's just it I just think it's real wholesome, good, realistic writing. And thank you, people who wrote that relationship. Absolutely. And it, and it actually it kind of breaks your heart when they have to when they have to separate at the end of season two because Nanny McPhee's realized that she is she needs more help than the people around her, even Pacey can provide. Yeah. So she goes off to some kind of summer like a what would you call that? Like a rest facility? Or yeah, something? I mean, it, it's a, a very, it's a nice way of putting it. But I, I mean, she's basically in like a mental ward or a mental institution yeah. trying to rehabilitate yeah. her. Health. I mean, at this point, at the uh, in the last couple of episodes, she has gone on a actually a, a, a split personality episode where she changes her hair and she imagines that and she begins imagining her her brother is there too that her brother is alive which is really crazy um but yeah i think in a way when you describe it it, when i describe it that way it could seem just like laying it on really thick like what doesn't this girl have but for whatever reason the the relationships and the performances really bring it all to life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and thinking about it now, this whole season, this may be the only the only non toxic relationship because one thing we haven't even mm-hmm. one thing we haven't talked about, and I don't know if we want to do with this episode or not. We haven't talked at all about what Jen is doing this season. Do you guys remember? What- oh, we'll, oh, that'll be its whole whole thing. Okay. Oh yeah, Grandma Girl's gonna we're gonna go at it. <laughs> yeah, Jen, Jen and Abby are just totally doing a bunch of crap this season <laughs> yeah. but i think but i think um jack and andy in a way are the driving force of season two yes yeah personally absolutely. yeah um and they are they were so good i mean they were both guilt billed as special guest stars mm-hmm. all through season two which is weird <laughs> like they're not like they're in every episode, but they're special guest stars. But then in the third season, they make it into the uh, into the opening credits. Yep. There we go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Um, I'd also like to point out, and it could, but this travels a little bit into season three, so it's a spoiler alerts for people who are listening. Skip to this time code. <laughs> go ahead, Bridget. Gets me every time. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, this is also Pacey's um, first real heartbreak, and it's so realistic to watch it play out. Like as, as Michael said, it is sad when she goes off, but it's it's really sweet and sad because Pacey waits for her, and he wants her to come home and be in full health and get back to the love that they had going, and. It turns out she was having different experiences at the the ward, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, he... and that, the way that they both handle that is um, is very grown up on Pacey's part. It's it's admirable. It is admirable. Um, you know that the dialogue where they talk about he says, um, "I I'm just like your actions revealed." the the truth of the matter that we can't skirt around which is that i'm not the one for you or else you wouldn't have chosen to do those things because mm-hmm. if i was the one you would have said no to that stuff and it's it's such it i i mean you just can't get a better boiling down of when somebody's right for you or not like you can tell he wants to try to make it work he he has affection for her he still very much cares about her um but he is a person in a situation of heartbreak where he just can't get around the truth. Like he thought that they may have been perfect for each other 
And her actions revealed, like, there's more down the line. They're going to meet other people and be in different relationships because mm-hmm. they're just not the ones for each other. I don't, I've been thinking about that for, like, the past week. And um, I thought, God, like, what a mature way to handle that on the show. Because it could have been, like, a lot of fighting and yelling between the two. But it's really, yeah. it, it's sad because Andy's just basically begging him and crying like a person mm-hmm. would and he is I not know, being Bridget, mean i i i, I kind of wish that it was two people that don't really have any problems with each other just <laughs> making up problems and going into an spinning out into an endless will they won't they are they aren't they thing. <laughs> that's what i would it would be good michael if those two characters had like the same conversation like 50 times about will yes. we and won't we? Because that's that's, <laughs> that's the real drama, I think. Exactly. Like like that's... they started kissing and then they instantly got mad at each other. And then they started kissing again. You know, like that that would be something better. Okay, now guys, here's a problem. I'm a I didn't prepare well enough for this, so I only have one percent on my phone left, and I Damn can't it. like plug it in for. So I but I think we've got a good conversation Wait, here. I just, okay, okay, really quickly, uh, really quickly. Jack Kerr Smith was the principal honey honeybee on 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 Riverdale. Okay, okay, and Bridget, what's your, what's your, um, wait, holy shit, he was? Yeah, he was. I know, right? Yeah, I don't believe what anyone <laughs> no, said. No, that's true, that's true, I promise. <laughs> Bye, folks, we're going to talk about something else to, uh, next time. We don't know what yet. <laughs> maybe Grandma Girl? Maybe Grandma? Maybe grandma, maybe Jennifer? I th- I th- yeah, Abby and Jen, I think, is a good one to talk about. I do, I do too. I think Abby and Jen is a good, because they're kind of, they kind of feed off of each other. Yeah. Yes. I like that idea. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Daddy's got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's a good one. Right? <laughs> Thank you for listening to Creek Times, the only Dawson's Creek podcast. Have a great day. Shh.